Welcome to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. My name's Tammy Simon. I'm the founder of Sounds True. And I'd love to take a moment to introduce you to the new Sounds True Foundation. The Sounds True Foundation is dedicated to creating a wiser and kinder world by making transformational education widely available. We want everyone to have access to transformational tools such as mindfulness, emotional awareness, and self-compassion, regardless of financial, social, or physical challenges. The Sounds True Foundation is a nonprofit dedicated to providing these transformational tools to communities in need, including at-risk youth, prisoners, veterans, and those in developing countries. If you'd like to learn more or feel inspired to become a supporter, please visit soundstruefoundation.org. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. This episode is a special memorial rebroadcast of a conversation with Ramdas on Soul Land. On December 22nd, 2019, at 88 years of age, Ramdas peacefully drew his last breath, and his soul, which he spoke about extensively in later years, took leave of his body. Born Richard Alpert, Ramdas is known to millions as the 1960s Harvard-trained psychologist who explored LSD with Timothy Leary, befriended beat poets and Tibetan lamas, found his guru, Neem Karoli Baba, in India, whom he called Maharaji, and penned the perennial classic, Be Here Now. For those of us who knew Ramdas, we knew him as a torch of love and one that keeps burning. In this very moving conversation from 2012, Ramdas is connecting to the Sounds True studio from his home in Maui. In this episode, you'll hear Ramdas talk about his experience of different planes of consciousness and the relationship between the individual soul and what he calls the mega soul or Atman. Here's a taste of loving awareness that lives on and on with Ramdas. As many of our listeners know, Ramdas, you suffered an almost life threatening stroke in 1997. And I know you now refer to this stroke as if you were, quote-unquote, stroked by grace. And just here at the beginning of our conversation, if you could talk some about how you understand being, quote-unquote, stroked by grace. How is this grace? Well, um, when I first woke up in the hospital and the uh, people around me had long faces and um, and looked frightened and um, so I looked up at a picture of my guru on the wall and uh, I said 
you've you you've given me your grace and then this stroke and he didn't change one bit and I think I wondered whether this was grace. So I then, uh, Nikki Lemley's um, movie, it went to India and um, it was, uh, it was fierce grace for the for the stroke, and um, Sidima, who is the woman that was um, take over take over my guru's temples, uh, she said. She said, Ramdas, you can't imagine that Maharaji would get give you a stroke. And she says, the way I see it is the stroke is a natural phenomenon. And then your reactions to it were was the grace because I reacted to the stroke as, as if it were grace. The grace of the stroke, it changed my life from, it changed my life. Like, for example, um, I had a book uh, in the past called How Can I Help? Which was a very good book. And, but now I guess I'd say the title would be, How Can You Help Me? Because I've now gotten to uh, um, the dependency, the dependency of sickness, and I've come to value it. And when I'm dependent on such people around me that we have our roles, I have my role as a patient, have their role as, as caregiver. And I think we both see ourselves as souls and the interaction 
does get spiritual. Mm -hmm. And like, for example, I, I, uh, I was a, at a crossing of um, a, a street uh, in my wheelchair and uh, a couple came up and said, can we help you uh, to cross the street? And they felt good for that. And I felt good for that. And it was a rather pleasing uh, interaction. Now, the other thing was I couldn't talk for a while. And that was good. <laughs> I, I, I talk all the time, but to be talking not much, boy, was wonderful. And then Later on, as I got called upon to talk and uh, give lectures, the silence when I when the, the silence where I couldn't recall the word, the the the, the audience loved those silences gives them a chance to cogitate or to meditate. And and I, I, I tell them that I'm going to be looking for a word, but they shouldn't, shouldn't pity me because that'll just waste the, the the time for them. So I guess I think now I think that my 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 body got the stroke and I am in the body. And there's no reason to think that I had a stroke. My body had a stroke. And it's, it's interesting. <laughs> if your body had a stroke, what is your experience currently of the quote-unquote I. What is your experience of I, Ramdas? I am... I am consciousness. I have... Um, I'm not in time or space.
and I'm down in my heart where my spiritual heart is loving awareness. And then if I, if somebody says, who are you? I say, Ram does. But I say to myself, I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness. I am loving That's who I am. As I'm listening to you, Ramdas, I'm hearing a bird in the background. I know you're in Maui. Is that correct? Is that the sound of a bird? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, it is a bird. I'm curious about something. You mentioned that you say to people who are listening to you at your lectures to use the space in your speech as an opportunity for meditation, contemplation, tuning in to this loving awareness. What I'm curious about in terms of your experience is here before your stroke, you were one of the master orators of our time, one of the most gifted, golden-tongued, speakers I had ever recorded and met. And here now, as you speak, your words come out slowly. It's obviously much harder to weave together a complex story with lots of different threads of meaning. And I'm curious what that experience is like for you. Do you feel frustrated or do you get angry or what's that experience like for you? as you explain what you're feeling inside? Um, I don't get frustrated. It just means that I go uh, tangentially uh, and I, my It's like I have a closed closet of words and then I have a concept and the concept I go to the closed closet, shall I wear red or shall I wear purple? Or, and I have, it takes me a little time to get the right, the right, there, there I am the right uh, word, but it's much better because I, the, the time, the time is, it's, it's, it's a contemplative or um, meditative time that I, that I, 
look in my heart for what the best, best uh, phrase for, for, for my concept. And it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's like an inner dialogue and the, the one thing is that I may take too long before you will get frustrated. <laughs> And, but, no, I, this aphasia um, speech, wow, just these silences. <laughs> Just these silences. Do you feel that you have a different appreciation of the nature of consciousness after your stroke than you did before your stroke? I don't think so, because um, before the stroke, I had Maharaji, and before Maharaji, I had psychedelics, and they gave me uh, a clear indication about what consciousness is. Um, So I'm probably not. Uh, no, I don't think I have any, except um, I separate myself from my body. Um, because the stroke is a, is an external uh, affair. It's not an internal one. Um, the no, it's a. Like, like the stroke is, is in time, and I am infinite. My, my universe, my soul universe is not in time or space. Can you help me understand, Ramdas, what you mean by your soul, what you are referring to when you refer to the soul? Um, 
Um, if you if you leave this plane of consciousness, which uh, the things and ego and thoughts, the next plane of consciousness is, is a, uh, is a, a spiritual one. Um, and this is the plane of soul. Now, my soul has been through many, many incarnations. And it has gone from one into another, to another, to another. And then it has come into this, this incarnation, which has, which has an ego and a body and parents and all kinds of things. And a, yeah, a body. And then, if you go beyond that, you come to the, the, the Hindus call it the Atman. It's where you come to the big soul. The big soul the God, Guru, and self are no other than one. That's where my Guru is. Now, as a soul, I see, I witness the incarnation. Soul has karma that that it has gotten from past lives. Soul would be individual, and the Atman is not individual. The Atman is the soul of the universe. And the generally we think of the ego as me or I. And that's a thought, 
It's who we think we are in the head. And then when we dig, dig deep enough through deep enough consciousness or through there, through the spiritual way, what then we come to the real self, the real self. And that's either the soul or the the mega soul. The the soul I I I I see death as a ceremony in which the ego turns into the soul and that identify in uh, identifies with ego and to the soul and then after death they you get to uh, soul land that's my uh, my the soul of course has no time and space so soul land is is a plane of consciousness which has no time or space. But we project into it. We project it from our egos. We project it as heaven or hell or forests or schools or then then after you get the soul land with my guru we will choose my next incarnation now the soul land there's no my in it so ramdas what i'm curious about is in speaking with you here i feel almost as if we're in soul land together hearing you describe how there was a radical disidentification with the body after your stroke. I appreciate this sense of being in soul land. But what I'm curious about is how we get to what you called mega soul, 
What's the journey from soul land where there are individual souls to Atman, to the megasoul plane? The, the megasoul is all of it. Is <laughs> all, all, all planes of consciousness. The megasoul, the Atman, contains the Jivatman, which is the individual soul. You, but you, in order to be part of the one, you be, you be. Like, for example, take love as a, 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 a path. You, you love people and love, and then you take, be, then as you get love, 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 and then when you, you love somebody, you say, we are in love. Now, in love means not with each other. We are in the ocean of love. You should, uh, uh, you, a person is a stimulus to you to, to, to go into that one love. The, so you thank your lover for for being the stimulus for for my falling into the falling into the ocean of love and when two people are in the ocean of love there's no two people there is just love there's just love in other words we to get into the one you keep being and being and being and being and go in you keep plummeting the depths of being and you 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 go through through planes of consciousness and then you end up 
with all the planes of consciousness. For example, when I when I when I got to a plane or another plane, my guru would be there waiting because he could, he was in every plane. While we, we here at, in the world, we are only one plane. And so say, how do I get that get there? He he mirrors my soul and my Atman. In other words, anybody It's a real guru. Somebody who mirrors for you the Atman. He mirrors, he mirrors love and compassion. And peace. And joy. And wisdom. And when we get that identification with our real self, we get wisdom subjectively, not objectively. When I walk up to a tree Objectively, there is a tree, an oak. But that tree has consciousness. The same consciousness I have. And for me, that introduction of one consciousness with another, I know the tree. And we are together in the one. Tammy, 
Have I confused you? Well, I do have a question about the consciousness of the tree and the consciousness of a human being. I certainly can imagine a scientifically oriented person thinking about the human brain and the way the human brain processes ideas and information and thinking that the consciousness of a human might be quite different than whatever might be considered the wakefulness or consciousness of a tree. So I am musing on that as I'm listening to you. Well, just think of all the cells that compose the tree and the cells that our brains are. And in the cells is the one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving you a scientific explanation. Yes, I realize that. And I, I appreciate actually what you're saying, Ramdas, and especially the unitive space in which it's being said. I appreciate that. I'll tell you the actual question where I'd like to take our conversation for a moment, which is when I hear you talk about Neem Karoli Baba, about Maharaji, about your guru, you speak about him as a perfected being. And it feels to me that you speak to him about a being that seems far beyond your own human evolution to date. It's with a tremendous amount of reverence and awe and as if he's, you know, several, you know, light years, or I don't know what you would want to call it, more perfected and developed than you find yourself as a human being. So first of all, I'm curious if that's accurate. Yeah, that's accurate. It's like um, walking up a path uh, on a mountain, and there's a and there's a guy um, in front of you, and he's come on, come on. He says, "Come on." Um, I see the road ahead and I'm and I'm telling you it's all right. It's all right. A, a teacher would be somebody walks along with you and says uh It's okay. It's okay because we both see it's okay. But he is the guru. Yeah, Tammy. I, I, I see Tammy. Uh, I am not the one in my consciousness because I have still individuality. 
And he, for example, when I, when I come near him, I, I feel, I feel love for everybody in the universe. I feel when I get into his aura, his aura is just an ocean of love. And I, all I can do is witness that, witness that as a soul. I can't be it yet. Even though I know that I will be it and are being it, but I can't do it with 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 the ego I have. I recognize and appreciate the humility of your statement, Ramdas. I think the part that I'm curious about is I hear a lot of conversation in contemporary circles about how really this idea of the human guru is filled with a lot of projections of our ideal nature onto another human being. And that no matter how far anyone's progressed, they're still human with their human shadows and issues to work out and that it's more realistic to see these supposed quote-unquote gurus, even from the East, through a lens of psychological awareness that they're still human beings with material to work out and that we're projecting idealization on them. And I'm curious what you think about that. Uh. You know, I, I, I was around Maharaji, and as a psychologist, I could, I cannot see a personality. I mean, you remember the story that I gave him um, psilocybin and I gave him and I saw him take um, pills that would that uh, would 
you or me would find disruptive to our systems and nothing happened to him. Nothing happened. Um, if you read the, the words of these people like Ramana Maharshi or Ramakrishna or Ananda Maima or Nityananda. They're, they're, they're so much the same. They're coming from the same space. You can see the difference in their in their personalities, but they don't identify with that personalities in the same way as I, I, I do not identify with my body. My body is 80 years old. My body has a stroke. But I am infinite. And I, I, I get into my consciousness right at the outer edge and I I have I have I have Maharaji You know, Tammy, when I went to India, I came home and I said, I've got a jewel here. We in the West have have a, a range of um, uh, 
we have at the at this uh, the at the top side we have Einstein, Lincoln, and something like that. And I've suddenly come across human beings who make me think that the see uh, Jesus is an example or Buddha is an example. Abraham is an example. I think I'm starting to appreciate your experience of Maharaji. My question is, how do you relate to Maharaji in a way that you mentioned God, Guru, and the Self are inseparable. So how do you relate to this great being from a place of inseparability? The word relate is probably the, we're having difficulty with because he is uh, inside me. I talk to him with ego and and Atman. His consciousness, I met with, met with, he, he, he ended up in that body in India. Now he's assumed another body, an astral body. And I haven't, what I relate to him is I, um, I identify with the presence. He is presence in 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 my world. He is presence, and I identify with that presence. And and that's when I am Atman and I can't I can't stay in it because this is me <laughs> because it's 
like I can be a, anywhere and I'll feel that presence. And then I'll go back in my imagination. This is pretty weird. And in a, a talk with him, as long as I feel that presence, and I'll talk in my imagination because he, he permeates my imagination. Ramdas, I just have a couple more questions for you. You know, you have here at age 80 accomplished so much in your life and benefited so many people. And I'm curious if you have any sense of something you have yet that you want to accomplish here on Earth. What suffering I see in my fellow humans and the earth I want to be uh, be a tiny bit of the force that changes that. I'm not presenting myself as Buddha or as Jesus or as Maharaji, but I just want to be, be be in that force. The way I've said is I want to I want to to carry out my Guru's will, I guess. That's beautiful. And Ramdas, I've seen it written that you were asked to sum up your life's message and that what you said was, I help people as a way to work on myself and I work on myself as a way to help people. And I'm curious, how are you currently, quote unquote, working on yourself, if that makes any sense to you now? Do you feel you are currently working on yourself? Sure. Sure. Well, 
I cozy up to, to Maharaji <laughs> so that I can hear his message. And I'll take my mala, my beads, and I'll say the names of God with each bead. The names of the of the one. The Sufis have the names of God, and the Hindus so. Those names are the Atman. And trying to keep by keeping all of the all of the objects of this plane I'm, I'm, I say Ramize them I Ramize them because I Ram 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 and then I get the one how do I help people that's my name is Ram is God and Das is servant and I serve God by helping people to get in their souls and get to the Atman. If I pass a person on the street, I look at that person as a soul. That gives them a little help to becoming one with God. You know, Tammy, this is a this is a strange interview.
Why do you say so? Well, I'm opening up things that I haven't even talk to myself about <laughs> you're a good interviewer <laughs> well thank you and I have to say that in this conversation I feel a sense of cozying up to the energy of Maharaji that ocean of love and I feel that you've really brought that presence to our Sounds True listeners, and I'm so grateful for that. I know that the people listening have now the opportunity to tune in to that loving awareness that you've brought here, both in your words and in the spaces between your words. So thank you so much, Ramdas. Thank you for being so loving and for sharing so vulnerably. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tammy. Thank you. Namaste. 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 I've been speaking with Ram Das. He's in Maui, and we've been talking to each other about what it's like to live in soul land. Ram Das has created with Sounds True several audio programs, including a series called Experiments in Truth, which is a collection of classic lectures by Ramdas from the 60s to the 90s. We've also just recently released a series of teachings on the Bhagavad Gita. It's called Love, Service, Devotion, and the Ultimate Surrender. And this is a series of lectures that Ramdas gave at Naropa University in the late 1970s. It's considered to be an all-time classic series of lectures that Sounds True digitally edited and remastered. And Sounds True has also released a wonderful program with Ramdas called Conscious Aging on the nature of change and facing death. Thank you for listening to Insights at the Edge. You can read a full transcript of today's interview at soundstrue.com forward slash podcast. And if you're interested, hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And also, if you feel inspired, head to iTunes and leave Insights at the Edge a review. I love getting your feedback, being in connection with you, and learning how we can continue to evolve and improve our program. Working together, I believe, we can create a kinder and wiser world. Soundstrue.com, waking up the world.